You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avzad on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Rabbi Levi Aftson, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Chul, here live at the Chai FM studios. It is great to be back. Last week I spent, um, Tuesday I was in New York. I'm sure you, if you were listening to the Thursday show by Rabbi Shishler, you mentioned about the kinus, about the yearly uh, congregation of rabbis when people come together once a year from around the world to energize and feel empowered and feel amazing. And yeah, I spent a very energizing week in New York. Um, my whole family's there, um, my classmates, everything. So it was a very, very energizing space. And I hope I'm able to share just a bit of the enthusiasm I picked up in that space with you over the next few moments here at Chai FM. So I want to start with a, um, with a joke. It's a joke that they used to say in communist Russia. I mean, it's quite risky, to be honest, to say a joke here on the radio because you don't know how if, if it falls flat or not. But the joke goes that there were three people sitting in prison, in a Soviet prison. And one of them says, the reason I, I'm in prison is because I came two minutes early to work, and they told me that I'm a spy. Otherwise, why would I come two minutes early? And the second one said, I came two minutes late to work, and they said, you're lazy, and therefore you go to prison. And the third individual says, I came exactly on time, and they said, you must have a Western watch. That's the only way you came here on time, so they threw me into prison. And that joke comes to mind when you know, sometimes you just feel like you can't do anything right. You come two minutes early, you're a spy. You come two minutes late, you're lazy. You come on time, there's a conspiracy. And sometimes when a person looks around what's going on in the world, there's just sometimes the feeling of like absolute, like, can we ever get it right? Can we figure things out? Can we just get... um a healthier, more wholesome approach to life instead of just sabotaging ourselves over and over and over. And I know Chai FM today has gone um, throughout the throughout the day when unfortunately there are sirens in Israel. Please God, there should be no more. Whenever there's a siren in Israel, um, a siren is played here on Chai FM, and this brings back very haunting memories of three, four years ago when it was happening all the time during the war in 2014. Um, and it's 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 actually quite um, it's traumatic just to think of it, and sometimes the world just seems to be in a space of deja vu. You know, yesterday and two days ago, the world commemorated a hundred years since the end of World War One. Now, many people don't even know about World War One because, unfortunately, World War Two was so tragic in so many levels, especially to the Jewish people. Um, and to the whole wide world, it was an insane war that it kind of overshadowed World War One. But in truth, until World War One, the world had never seen a war like that. World War One was the craziest war the world ever seen. It's only that 20 years later, World War Two came and made, unfortunately, World War One look small in comparison. But until 1914, when the when the First World War broke out, 
the world has never seen anything like that. The entire Europe, United States, and the, the and countries across the, universe, the across the planet got involved. Whether it was the Turkish Empire, the Ottoman Empire, etc., empires collapsed after that. The Austrian, the Austria-Hungarian Empire, the the Ottoman Empire. Eventually, it affected Israel, the British Mandate. The whole world shifted in that four-year thing. Tens of millions of people were killed and dislocated and injured. It was an insane war. And it's a hundred years later. And if you've been following the commentary, a lot of the people are asking a simple question, and that is, have we moved ahead? And if you've listened to my show before, I, I, I'm very passionate about seeing the positive view and seeing, you know, being optimistic, but also realistic and seeing the good that happened in the world. And in no way, what, what I'm talking about now is in any way to demean or to not appreciate the tremendous blessings of our time. And at the same time, to be able to focus and ask a simple question that is, as human beings, are we learning the lessons of the past? When rockets are still being thrown at the Jewish people, 100 years after the end of World War I and 75 years, 73 years after World War II, and where the moral clarity of what's good and what's wrong is still confused and where people think that might is right, and that's the way to accomplish goals. And when people, you know, prefer to see a reality um, rather than the true reality, because if you think about it, most war is based on fake news. You, you, you demean the other person, you demean the other nation, and you create a whole reality, and that's how... Um, you're able to destroy one another. One of the most haunting um, images is one of the. I watched it one time in a documentary where they asked the commandant of Auschwitz after the war how he was able to just allow one and a half million people to die in in his camp, and he says, "Once you see them as rats, then do you have any? Does a scientist feel bad when a rat dies?" So why should we feel bad that people die? In other words, when people demean each other, when people see each other as others, when people put each other down, it is so much easier to create a narrative of hatred and and eventually it leads to war. And you'd think that we learn the lessons from it. That's what you'd really expect, that in the 21st century, modern man... Humans of our time would have finally figured out that demeaning one another and putting one another down and being terrified of difference and diversity is, you know, would be over. I was talking to somebody yesterday, a few, a week ago actually, he was telling me he remembers the 90s. And for a short amount of time, maybe the first half a decade of the 90s, there was this tremendous optimism around the world that we finally learned the lessons of the past. South Africa had its own incredible journey towards democracy. The communist wall fell down. China was finally embracing and bringing its people up out of poverty. One of the greatest um, stories in history of literally removing hundreds of millions of people out of, you know, destitute. Um, so many things in the world were seemed to be working. And the truth is, those were times of miracles. Many great people in the, in the Hebrew calendar, those years were the years of what they would call Tafshin Nun, 5775050 or 51, 52, etc. And 
Many great rabbis, specifically Lubavitch Rebbe, would say it was the year Teish, not Nisim. It was, uh, it was the acronym Tafshinun was the acronym for let it be the year of miracles. And in truth, it was miracles. And in truth, there are miracles now. Um, but what happens is there's the miracles that God does, and then there's the miracles that the human beings have to do. And the miracle that the human being has to do is to learn the lessons in life. In other words, the first thing we always do is we, we scream to Hashem and we ask Him to stop. And I agree. Uh, Hashem runs the world, and when we go through pain, we have to ask Him to stop. But we also have to ask ourselves a simple question, and that is, are we stopping? Do we stop and learn lessons? You know, one of the things, I don't know if you follow social media or if you ever watch a YouTube video, but if you go and you read the comments, one of the things that blows the mind is how mean-spirited people are. So, you know, when, when we think of haters, we think of a bunch of ISIS running around into the other truck, to the other trucks in Iraq and Syria, uh, beheading people. But the truth is, hatred is the kind of thing that people do when they're, when they're not appreciative of the power of their word, when, not, when they don't realize that the, that the space between talk and war is very, very small. You know, as much as you know, Israel has tried to keep the peace in Gaza, and you know they really, really try. And unfortunately, they had to go back since leaving Gaza in 2005. They've had to go back three times already for full-on uh, war. And you ask yourself, will it ever stop? But the truth is, as long as there's spewing of hatred by the leadership in Gaza, and when, as long as they're demeaning the other people, the other side, and as long as there's zero respect, then of course it's going to happen over and over again. Because how long can talk last before it leads to action? How long can hatred last before somebody walks into a synagogue in Pittsburgh and kills 11 people? How long does it last before there is destruction? How long does it last before the comments on YouTube or on Facebook actually turn into real animosity? And I think, you know, coming back from New York and from an incredible conference of rabbis across the world, representing families and communities, you know, the world over, for me, it was the greatest antidote to the insanity out there. And there was thousands of people who dedicated their life for outreach and for love, all sharing one thing in common, and that is that we don't believe in hatred and that we don't believe in demeaning the other, and we believe in respecting people, and we believe in bringing them into our space no matter what, and believe in allowing people to feel loved as human beings, to stop finding the negative, to stop that cynicism, to stop the, the bigotry. You know, I, I just came back from America, and one thing I realized is the South African Jewish community feels quite unsettled, but so does the American Jewish community, and so does the English Jewish community, and so does the Australian Jewish community, and so does communities, not only Jewish communities, but communities the world over, start, you know, feeling unsettled. And if you ask yourself what's making most people feel unsettled, it's, it's, it's the talk that's out there. It's the, it's the way people speak. Because we're experienced, and we know that words have power. So yes, we have to talk about you know the, what the world is saying and addressing and having uh, organizations that deal with putting down anti-Semitism as we have incredible organizations here, for example, the Jewish Board and others. 
But at the same time, we have to ask ourselves within our own lives, how careful are we with our words? Are we the people that spew hatred? Do we cause unnecessary misunderstandings in community, in family, in, you know, human dynamics, in schools? Are we careful of starting about not starting wars, not starting misunderstandings. Chachamim Yizar, says ethics of our fathers, wise people, be careful in our words. Every word that comes out of our mouth, we have to ask ourselves, does that word bring more love to this universe or less love to this universe? That's the question I want to, you know, really ask on this um, afternoon. Want to take a break for a piece of music? This music, which which shows, you know, asking God for miracles and also for the human mir- that we should have miracles, is the song Nisim um, here on one hundred one point nine High FM from Shlemy Gertner. Enjoy. You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avtzan on one hundred one point nine High FM. This is one hundred one point nine High FM. Rabbi Levi Avtzan here. Um, every Tuesday, my f- show follows. Um, Avi Kay, who's a personal friend, and I actually taught two of your children. Thank you. And um, Avi, you were just mentioning to me about your son that's in right next to Gaza, and I just asked you if you could share just a small message here on the radio. Thanks, Rabbi. So, you know, just to to emphasize again that, the, the, the you know, this is totally futile, and it's just unnecessary and unwanted. And the end of the day, the, the most important thing is the safety of everybody involved. And most importantly, Achayalim and Achayalatu are all involved and dedicated. And we know that the one thing that is documented, and the Lubavitcher Rebbe has said many, many, many times, in fact, started a whole campaign just before um, the Yom Kippur War about Tfilin, is that, you know, we should all just be very careful as men with life, with putting on tefillin, making sure that if you put on maybe once a week, try to put on more regularly. If you put on every day, just think about a little bit about why you're putting on it, what you're doing, and have in mind that the mitzvah that you're doing now, you know, the Abishter God should just see it as as your contribution to the protection of, of, of our state of Israel and to the welfare of everybody in the country and to the welfare of people on both sides of the conflict. No one wants anybody to be hurt. And God forbid no one should be, should, should die. We just want people to go on with their daily routines. But if we could just increase in, in this particular mitzvah as men, those of us are doing it every day to be a little bit more careful. Those are not doing it to maybe be involved. And if you don't know where to start, Rabbi Afton's the person to, to be in touch with and he'll point you in the right direction. And for ladies, well, moms, wives, you're just on a totally different level altogether. Um, you're tuned in. You're just so much more, uh, um, sensitive to these things. And lighting candles on Friday night is, is really what brings light into this world. And for those of you who have never heard of it before, Jewish ladies and young girls light candles on Friday night. And it's what brings light into the world, into the home, into our lives. And for those of you who do it, just, you know, have a dedication this this, this Friday afternoon. And those of you who aren't doing it, maybe now is a great time to start doing it. And for this particular reason, and may this reason be the beginning of you doing it on an ongoing basis. Rabbi, I don't know if I've started on your whole show. No, it's okay. So, you know, <laughs> Avi, I've always believed that authenticity works. And for you, it's personal. And I just wish that 
there should be safety and none of our chayalim no, and none of the citizens should be hurt. Unfortunately, it's already been uh, quite tragic yes. yesterday and um, it should just end. As I was saying um, before the, the, the previous segment, like seriously, a hundred years after the end of World War I and we still think that violence gets us anywhere. It's just such a futile thing. And as I was saying on my show is that, you know, Gaza's on the med. It's the most beautifully poised piece of geography. Um, there's parents, there's children. It's just an opportunity for a country that's starting at such a low level to do such great things. And they've got willing partners on both sides. Israel's happy to come in and share, just like they did done with Jordan, just like they've done with Egypt, and just to share the wealth, to share the success, to share the technology. And it's just a matter of not wanting to kill us. So if you stop wanting to destroy Israel and just allow your children to have a future, the future is unlimited. Mm, I remember in 2004, just before the evacuation, disengagement, I went to visit Gaza. At that time, it was Gush Katif. Um, I spent the Shabbos in Gush Katif, and it was the most beautiful place. I mean, Gaza really is. Uh, unfortunately, once the Israelis left, it was devastated. But it was the most beautiful Shabbos. I remember walking the streets over there. It was gorgeous, physically gorgeous. We were driving back past vineyards and just the most beautiful, beautiful space. And it just shows that hatred can destroy the most beautiful space and love can make even a desert blossom. That's just so true. And, um, you know, as I was speaking to Kathy just after my show, ultimately we've got to get on with our lives. We've got to do what we need to do. And we know that uh, happiness sort of breaks down all the boundaries and we mustn't, uh, I don't think it's a time to start celebrating. It's not the way we do things, but um, in one's mind to try to be positive, to be happy, to be grateful, um, to look at the good and the positive and everything, and uh, just to be supportive and uh, just to be careful with what and how we say things. Shkayach, Javier, please got only good news for all of us. Great. Thanks, Abba. So here we are. We're on High FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Aftson, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Shul, and we are I'm just talking to Mr. Avi Kay, and we were talking about what's going on in Israel today. Unfortunately, it's hard to think about anything else when our brothers and sisters are being pummeled. And I just want to talk about what Avi spoke on. Um, before 1967, that famous Six-Day War, the Lubavitcher Rebbe went on a massive campaign to encourage people to do the mitzvah of tefillin. There's a verse that says, And the nations of the world will see that the name of Hashem is on you, and they will fear you. And the commentaries say that when does a person have the name of Hashem on them, that is when they put on tefillin, the tefillin shall rush, the tefillin on the head, that is what causes the fear. And indeed, the Six-Day War was an incredible example of, you know, Israel just with tremendous miracles of Hashem, chasing the enemy away, taking over um, the land that's always been ours, but, you know, taking it back for us, um, unlike the myth that the pre-1967 borders is true Israel and post-1967 borders is not Israel. It's all part of the land that God promised the Jewish people. Um, you could open the Bible, you could open the Torah and this week's Parshas and see it that, you know, this is the land for us. And we just saw people, um, tefillin, having such an impact. And for women, lighting the Shabbos candles to add light in this world. And it's incredible what a small little candle can do. And something that we can all share is that in three weeks' time is Hanukkah, 20 days. Hanukkah starts 
three weeks from this past Sunday, and that's a, the holiday that's dedicated to light. Every Friday night is the time for women to focus on light, and Hanukkah is a time for all of us to be able to focus on eight days of every day adding one more candle from one to eight. And I know that there's a massive campaign over here, Rambach Chabad House, um, to encourage pretty much everyone in this country, to uh, everyone in the community, to light the Hanukkah candles this year. It's relatively early. It's before most of us will be going away on holiday. It's the last week of school. And Hanukkah is really the, the victory of light over darkness, the victory of clarity over confusion, of morality over, you know, nonsense. And our world needs light, and light symbolizes clarity. Unfortunately, we live in such a confused world that you're just desperate to find some clarity. You go out there and you just hear whether any side of the political spectrum, any side of the debate, there is very little clarity. There's just slogans. Just slogans. And slogans are perfect for anti-Semites and racists and bigots. Why? Because a slogan sounds very profound. And you sit there saying a statement and you say it with an absolute uh, confidence. And everyone says, yeah, yeah, absolutely, 100%. So you could sit there saying that Israelis are, you know, torturing the Gazans. And you say it as a statement. And everyone's, of course, of course, that's exactly what's happening. There's no nuance. There's no, there's no truth. It's just statements. And we're living in a time that we just have to remember how easy slogans turn into bullets. Think about it. World War I was when Duke Ferdinand, one person was killed, a, a little, one bullet, and suddenly the whole war went crazy. It wasn't the one bullet that made the war. It was the animosity and the hatred and the spewing over decades between societies that eventually flared up and turned into the World War I. And the Nazis didn't come into in 1933 and suddenly teach the world to hate Jews. This was decades old, if not centuries old, but specifically that idea of race, the Mishagas, the nonsense of different races and how some races are more elitist than others, all that nonsense was decades in the making by pseudoscientists and clever people who stood there with, you know, with bow ties and round rimless glasses and spoke for many hours on the great science of the difference of race. And eventually this little pseudoscience turned into concentration camps and destruction and death. There is such a quick train from hating speech, from hate, speech of hatred to murder and hatred. You know, now the world is going to be commemorating, we're going to from one crazy commemoration to the next, and that is 40 years since the overtake of radical Islam in Iran. And again, words, 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 words. Originally then it seemed there was only just one country that was going to go crazy, and eventually a big part of the Middle East flared up with tremendous bigotry and hatred. And eventually it manifests itself in terrorism. In 1979, there was the 444 day hostage in the, you know, the, the Iranian, the American embassy in Iran. But ever since then, it's gone crazier and crazier and crazier. And it all started by just simple speeches. No war was ever started without a speech before it. But the truth is that no greatness ever happened without the speech before it. You think of Hitler versus Churchill, 
how Churchill managed to mobilize a world to stand up against to the, the, the Nazi onslaught through the power of word. And Hitler, Yemach Shemay, managed to mobilize his society and societies around him to do the most disgusting and hateful things in history, also through the power of speech and word. And there you just see that almost the two antithesis, the, 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 the two people, one person who physically almost destroyed the world and one person who through their courage mobilized the world to save the, the, the civilization, both through the power of speech. So when we're so frivolous in our speech, when we're so frivolous in the way we talk about one another, when we talk, the way we talk about other communities, the way we talk about other families, the way we talk about other individuals, I have to realize speech is the most powerful thing. A gun is not powerful. Speech is powerful. A gun obviously is a tool, but the gun only comes and plays into the, plays its role once the speech has done whatever it has to do. And unfortunately, there is such cheapness in speech, especially today when you can post an anonymous comment, when you could forward a WhatsApp and just, you know, like, I just forwarded the WhatsApp. I didn't do anything. If you followed what happened in India recently where there was mob killings of people, that there was some rumor on WhatsApp that this person did something wrong, and suddenly the guy is beaten to death on the, on the street corner just because that's what the rumor says. And it all starts with speech. So, yes, violence, we have to take remove violence out of this world, but... The way you remove unnecessary violence out of this world is by removing hateful speech, by all of us just putting a zipper on our lips and on our fingers before we say something or before we type something. Why are we so easy to denigrate one another? Why are we so comfortable to just put another human being down? Don't we realize that that is the greatest and most devastating thing we could do. Chaim v'amavis biad lashin. Life and death in the hand of a tongue. Our tongues are powerful, extremely powerful. So before you sit down and start lushing, and before you sit down around the table and start you know, creating rumors or gossip just for the sake of creating chaos, ask yourself one thing. Is it really worth destroying God's world through the few silly words? Or can we just hold back, choke those words, throw them out, and just share words of love and encouragement that will heal the world? Words can heal and words can destroy. Let's heal. This is 101.9 Chai FM. You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM. This is Rabbi Levi Aftson, and we're here um, talking today about words and how, unfortunately, words can flare up and create a war in Gaza, um, in the south of Israel, and how words can heal. And as I mentioned earlier, I just came back from an incredible week with a bunch of people who dedicate their life for goodness. And one of the great ways they do it is through the power of words, um, just welcoming people just welcoming people with love and kindness and generosity and love. You know, I spent time with a friend of mine who lives in a remote place of Canada. I've never heard about it till he moved over there. Saskatchewan. Saskatoon. 
And you're just telling me about the incredible impact they could have in this most freezing country just by sharing a little warmth that people, you know, are desperate for warmth. Spent time with a friend from Pittsburgh who was telling me about, like, you know, this was literally I was spending time with them a few days after the massacre. And he was describing me how people were just looking for empathy and love and warmth. And wherever you go, you ask yourself, you know, what's this my friend's doing in Iceland and the other friend, my relative in Hong Kong and the other friend in China? And what's everyone doing, the cousin in Alaska? They're all just sharing love. Really, I don't think there's any genius to the incredibly successful model of shlichot, of outreach, of Chabad outreach around the world. There's a book called The Secret of Chabad, and it's a great book, but I would say that The Secret of Chabad is very simple. Non-judgmentalism and love. In other words, just love people. Stop analyzing them with 5,000 different eyes. Stop, you know, proving how terrible they are. Instead, just look and, and embrace them. Welcome. How are you? What's up? Would you like a meal? Would you like to put on tefillin? Oh, you don't want to put on tefillin? Okay. You want to put on tefillin? Of course. Come, let's put on tefillin. Just engage. Just, ugh. I, I, I remember two, three months ago on the show, I was, the, the topic was how the basic elements of life aren't rocket science. We try to make life so complicated, but the truth is that the truths of life are just simplistic and basic. And one of those basic truths are to stop proving how everybody is terrible. Some of us are very cynical by nature, or we grew up in cynical environments. So be it. One of the speeches I gave in New York, I went to class in the school that I grew up in, and one thing that my school that I went to was known for, it has a lot of strengths, and one of the weaknesses, well, we were very cynical, extremely, extremely cynical. And I, I was spending time with a bunch of seventh graders, and it was like a replay of myself decades ago with that same cynicism, that same, like, oh, nothing you could say can inspire us, nothing you could say, ah, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. We, we, we develop a cynicism. I just had to tell them a few freaky stories to actually just get them to focus and then hopefully try to deliver a message to them. But we're cynical, and it's sophisticated to be cynical. It is. Cynicism is sophisticated. Happiness in the eyes of sophisticated people is silly. It's petty. That's why you'll watch, you know, a person cracks a joke, and sophisticated people in their own eyes, I'm I'm, I'm being cynical about this, sophisticated people will not laugh. Because it's not cool to laugh. And you'll always have the one person that really doesn't care what other people think. Or they do care, but they just can't control themselves. And they're just cracking up laughing and everyone's giving them the eyes. And I always like, I love that person because that was me. <laughs> I remember in class just being laughing at everything I thought was funny. And everyone giving you the eyes. And you're like, it's funny. What's wrong? No, it's not cool to laugh. It's cool to be serious. It's cool to be cynical. It's cool to sit there sitting after and saying how terrible everything is. It's not. It's actually not cool. It's actually terrible. It's not fun. It doesn't make the world a better place. But if we can just smile, yeah, the person's imperfect. You don't have to prove to me that the person's imperfect. And you don't have to prove to me that I'm imperfect. I'll confess I'm imperfect. Perfect people only exist in the cemetery. After everyone dies, they become perfect. 
But living people, no one's perfect. We're complex, complex beings. So instead of looking out there to prove how imperfect people are, which makes the world nothing, just hurtful, find the goodness. And then let's talk a little more micro. Let's talk about marriage. You want to prove me that your husband is a difficult person? I'm sure you have proofs. You want to prove me that your wife is a, a quetch? Sure. You have all the proofs. You want to prove me that you married the the worst witch on the planet? You can have the proofs. You want to tell me that your life is the sobbiest life story ever? You can prove it. But you can also choose to prove that you have a wonderful spouse. I promise you every single person, unless they're absolutely dysfunctional or violent, but every within the realm of normalcy, every single person can be looked on as the greatest thing or the worst thing. And you know it because there are some people who think of you very highly and some people of you not necessarily do. What's the difference between those two realities? What's the difference between the person that thinks highly of you, hopefully it's your spouse or your siblings or your parents, and the person who doesn't? Often it's just what they're focusing on. One person's magnifying the good and one person is magnifying the bad. Because if the person was so evil, why would they be loved by so many people? And if the person had no good attributes, why do the kids actually like them? I know you hate them because you chose to hate them because they don't look like you, etc. But is it possible they're actually quite likable? Is it possible that your husband or your wife is actually quite a decent person? Look, there's a lot of people who like them. Oh, yeah, they don't know what you know. Fair enough. But you know stuff that they don't know. Good stuff. But what do we focus on? The difference between a good marriage and a bad marriage, obviously, again, not talking about when there's dysfunction, but the difference between a good marriage and a bad marriage is what we choose to focus on. The difference between, you know, embracing our children with love or being judgmental of them the whole time is what do we focus on? Do we see the beautiful gift that, you know, that child is the gift that Hashem gave us, the gift that they are to the world, or we sit there seeing their imperfections. Oh my gosh, the kid's such a slob. Where does this kid come from? Who raised them? Oh my gosh, they're, they're so, you know, they're not as, you know, sophisticated as we are. They don't hold the fork the way we taught them. And they're not as outgoing as we'd like them to be. They're introverted. Shame. Now, how about the fact that they read books and they're intellectual? Nah, that's not important because we're introverted. Or we're bookworms, so we only appreciate kids that have 18 degrees. But if the kid is an extrovert and they just want to go out and have fun, ugh, that's, not, that's not appreciated in the Goldberg family. Give me a break. You're listening to The Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 High FM. So here we are about to wrap up the show. Thank you. Um, thank you for Chai FM. Thank you for the opportunity of being here. It is a difficult day, and it's also a beautiful day. We're in the month of Kislev, and this is the month of miracles, the month of Hanukkah. Misha Asa Nisim He who did miracles to our parents. By Yami Mahem in those days should make miracles to us, Bismanazeh, in our time. You know, that's 2,000 years ago in the Hanukkah story, we saw how nations that were full of hatred were overtaken and won over by a few Maccabees who were full of love. May the nations of hatred be subjugated.
may hatred be removed from this world. May hate of the other, anti-Semitism, racism, and others, and so be f- just well, let the human beings just come together and decide no more hatred. Can you find me that Matis Yao song one day? Um, I, want, I, want, I think I want to finish off the show with that. It just came to me um, that one day, um, one day of peace, because honestly, that's what I'm feeling. We need one day. Um, we need to have a day of peace. We need to have um, more unity. You see that one day? Um, okay, so so just in one moment, I, w- I want to play it. I want to wish us all that we should do our small little thing to make the world a better place. As Avi mentioned earlier, put on tefillin, eat a kosher meal, light a Shabbos candle, give charity, do something of light, and hold back a word of hate and walk over and give somebody a pat on the back and say, you know what, you're great. Let's share love, and hopefully we'll achieve that one day when... We'll finally treat each other nicely. Enough with the violence, enough with the hate. This is one day here on 101.9 High FM. Have a great day.